I went rushing down to the pitch and Clive was, was with me. We were sitting next to one another. As we entered the arena, we saw all the players around Jono. And we both said at the same time, let's leave it. Jono knows what he's doing. Let's not spoil it. So we just let Jono look at it, which worked quite well, if you think the way the game ended. You are listening to England Rugby Untold. In 2003, we won the Rugby World Cup. I'm Phil Lauder, former England defensive coach. At the time, I was, um, I was coaching Great Britain Rugby League. I always remember that two weeks before we were due to fly out to play New Zealand, John Bentley came to see me and said, Phil, uh, there's rumours that Rugby Union is going to go professional this week. So I lost some outstanding players who went into the Lions squad and we went over and played in New Zealand and on the way back, we decided that we'd get a card and all our players would sign it and I'd put at the back and this was to Frank Cotton, who was the manager and I put on the back, defence wins games, right? And I sent it to the Lions. And then when I came home, my two boys, who were avid rugby league players, didn't think much of rugby union, we sat and watched the tests and we thought, wow, what a fabulous game it was. And the Lions were superb. And Fran phoned me up about four weeks after they'd returned, thanked me for the card, said the rugby league guys or the guys, rugby union guys that have been rugby league players were far smarter in training and communicated much better and they organised the defence. So he thanked me for that and then he said to me, he said, Phil, would you be interested in coaching England rugby union? So I said, yes. And then I got this phone call from, uh, from Woody, from Clive. And he came up to the north of England into Leeds and we had this meeting. And I think he thought I'd be looking sort of with nose down here and cauliflower ears like that as a, a rugged rugby league player. And he was surprised that I went to the same university as him. So we, we, we got on like a house on fire. So that's how it all started. Before the competition, Jono, Woody, and one or two other players thought that we were going to win it. I didn't. I didn't think we were ready. I've been so impressed with the coaches that I was working with in Rugby Union. They were far, far better than the rugby league coaches that I'd worked with. They were outstanding people. And I learned a lot from them. Perhaps they learned a bit from me, but I learned tons from them. And we were all working very hard, but we all had the same idea. From Woody all the way down, we'd all had a similar kind of education, that what we should be doing was to concentrate on each player and improve them, rather than concentrating on the team 
and organising patterns of play. We did that, but our main function was to improve the players. Hi, I'm Jason Leonard, Loosehead Prop. The coaches all wanted you to be the best that you possibly could. I mean, that, that group of, of players was a very uh, focused group anyway. And that's what the players wanted. And every training session, I'd literally say 99.9% .9 of the time, you'd, you'd be doing more. You'd, you'd get to the end of the training session and you'd go, uh, can I, I, missed a, I missed a couple of tackles on my left shoulder. Can I just do a bit of work on my left shoulder tackling-wise? And you'd always have a teammate that would be willing to do that with you. And then you'd have the defensive coach, you'd have Phil Larder, that would want to be there and help and critique and just sort of, yeah, yeah, no, no, he was a little bit loose there. You want to try, try that again, drive up again, make sure you get your shoulder in there and stuff like that. Whether it be handling, tackling, kicking, scrummaging, whatever it would be, lineouts, the, co the coaches would always be there. And, and as I said, as a group of players, we always wanted to do more because you wanted to be the best in the world. But you had coaches that wanted to help you achieve that. Nothing was um, ever too much. Before we went to Australia, we'd beaten the All Blacks, who most of us, most of the coaching staff, really liked watching. At that time, they were probably the best team in the world. They played the right kind of rugby for us. Um, we beat them home and away. And not only did we beat them at Wellington, but there was one instance where there was a scrum within the 22, very close to our line, and Neil, Neil Back and Lawrence Delalio have both been simbing. Our scrum held. They couldn't push us back and they couldn't win the ball. And we got the ball and we made ground and got straight up to their 22. So we knew that we were not a bad team when that happened. And then the week after we went to Australia. Now, at that time, England Rugby Union had never ever beaten Australia in Australia. And we knew that if we went to the World Cup final and we played Australia, and that situation hadn't been rectified, we would have been pillared by the papers, by the media, by everybody else. And we absolutely murdered them when we played them in, I think it was Melbourne. So we are then going into the World Cup and without being conceited, without being big-headish, we knew that we got the, the best boss in Clive. We got the best group of coaches because we all respected one another. But above all, we got the best players in the world. So we hit Australia just thinking, okay, we've got to make sure that we come out with our A game, but nobody's going to beat this lot. This is Robinson to Howlett. Come off his wing and he's flying again. He's got Blair outside, ties the pass. This is Ben Blair. And it's also Ben Cohen. It could be a match-saving tackle. Cohen, well... 
all the application he brings to this game brought to bear there with a wonderful tackle. That's a penalty to England. Interference at the line-out. Defensively, it only takes one player to be weak. It only takes one player to miss a tackle and you're back to the wall. So I'd work tremendously hard ever since I've been there on improving each individual in the squad. And to be honest, all of them gave me 100%. And some of the training that we did was very tough, very challenging. But they knew that if they were making a few errors or their technique wasn't quite right, then I would take them on one side the next day and I worked very hard with them. So um, I had a meeting with the entire squad and I challenged them. We could be, if we just step up, we could have the best, best defensive team in the world. I would like to suggest that we agree that when we fly out to the World Cup, we have conceded fewer tries than any other team. And I said, but it, it's going to be tough. And I'm really impressed with the way you've trained for me up to now, but I'm going to up it and it's going to be much tougher. I'm going to leave you to it. And we went into the World Cup having conceded fewer tries than any other in the competition. The team that was just beneath us was Australia. The team beneath them was New Zealand. The team beneath them were France. And when you look at the World Cup, best teams won it. I think this is the biggest test that Clive Woodward has faced as an England manager. England have the organisation and the structure. This could be one of the great test matches of recent years. All the coaches respected one another. All the players were in it together. Abandoned brothers. And Clive was the boss. And he had all our respect. I'd never ever come across anybody with his gifts, anybody like him, before I joined and since. He's special, he's awesome. Within four or five years, Clive changed the coaches. Majority stayed, but some went and new ones came in. Every one of them was superb. And I had to work the socks off to keep abreast with what they were doing. I think because of the way we had an identical opinion, we're going to work on improving the players. And because the players understood that and they bought into it, and because we were all positive, we were invariably talking about how good they were, rather than, well, you made this mistake, you made this mistake, you made this mistake. And if they did make mistakes, we'd tell them quietly and we'd say, well, don't worry about it because we'll sort that out tomorrow at training. So there was this bond that nobody could break. That is the end of the road for France. And next week, the England side will say it's revenge time as they face the Wallabies in a replay of the 1991 World Cup final. There was a big decision made after we beat France. John R, Bucky, probably Lawrence, some of the leaders. I mean, if you look at the team we had, and leaders are so important, we've got really important leaders out there, five or six who were 
captains of their, their own club team. And they'd said, look, our training has been fantastic. Everything's, everything's organised. They were saying this to Woody. And they said, we don't think there's any need to train this week, right? We just need to freshen up and concentrate. And that's what they did. I picked up a move that Australia had in which they, if they were just outside their own 22, they'd move the ball through the backs and they'd do a crisscross and somebody then would kick like that. And I thought, I know what they're going to do. We could, we could, charge, that, we could charge that ball down. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> like I said, Phil, we are not doing anything this week at all. And uh, we've done it all. We'll read that. We know what it is. We'll watch it on, on video. We didn't do anything, really. The roof is closed and Martin Johnson looking for 13 straight victories for this England team as their skipper. He has a fantastic success rate since taking over four years ago. It's around 85%, which is better than any other captain in international rugby in modern times. John and myself sing from the same hymn sheet. We look at rugby in the same way. So we go in and we'd hear John O talking to the team. And we said, well, how can a player who's in the middle of the action, he's in every scrum, he's in every line out, in the contact area, for most of the game, <laughs> how does he know what's happening out there? And he just does. So tactically, he's really, really bright. Advantage here to England. Wilkinson going for the check. There's no fullback there. Johnny Wilkinson. Johnny is different. He's a little bit, little bit special. The guy that plays at fly half is the quarterback. And everybody, if the opposition of a good quarterback, they send the biggest, strongest, aggressive runner, boom, running at him. Boom, keep tackling that. But if anybody had a wheel core, he thought, you're not going to knock me over, I'm going to knock you over. So he went and attacked them and banged them on the floor. And in training, we used to, if somebody was injured, we'd put a, a bib on them, like a yellow bib or a red bib, so that everybody who was out there, if we'd got 15 on 15 or whatever, and we were playing grip or whatever, you, you couldn't touch them. So... <laughs> Robbo's running the attacking team, I'm running the defensive team, Woody's out here, and he'll suddenly come running in with this, this bib, and he goes to me, throw that on Wilco, right, so he doesn't make a tackle, we don't want him injured. So I'd say, Johnny, just put this on. So I'd put it on, and then I'd look round, and it threw it off, and bang, he's in there again. You mentioned before that there's probably a 60-40 split but what the Australians have learned is they were taught by this English crowd on how to cheer. And it's going to be up in the terraces where we'll hear the chants coming. The big question is, will the 60% of the Aussies be able to drown out that loud 40% of the English? I've never, ever seen so many English people out in Australia with the big flags. It's absolutely manic. And paper... Sydney Herald, I think it was, gave it away on the Friday. And this was on the front page. And it said uh, something like, headline, Friday night, boys, 
are you going out for a beer? Well, the England rugby team, who play Australia this weekend in the World Cup final, are staying at the Manly Pacific. And why don't you go out there with your beers and make as much noise as you can. And if you're the girls and you want a bit of action, go over to the Manly Pacific. And it gave all the players a bedroom number. Johnny Wilkinson's there, Neil Bags there, bang. So we're looking at that. <laughs> one of our one of our coaches said, Oh, it's all right, I'll have Wilco's room. <laughs> but we, we just we just we just killed the their phones. Well, if this was a Hollywood script, it'd be a blockbuster bestseller. I could sense that some of the players were nervy, which is understandable, because it's the biggest game they'd ever played. But nothing ever gave me any indication that Phil, you need to be worried. Everything seemed to be going along in the right path. The coach was probably a little bit quieter than normal. And one of the things that I used to say to the rugby league boys, I said, just look at everybody of your teammates and just look them in the eye and see, can I trust him when it gets tough? I said, but what you've got to realise is that all the rest of the team will be looking at you saying the same thing. Are you up for it? No need for those boys to do, our team to do anything like that. They were all up for it. And I've been up for it for a long time. 10 minutes each way of extra time and then if things are still level then another 10 minutes where you'd have a golden score situation and then it would be drop goals well there's a bit of nerves then <laughs> when we've gone to extra time we thought we were going to win the game easily so i went rushing down to the pitch and clive was was with me we were sitting next to one another and as we entered the arena we saw all the players around Jono. And we both said at the same time, let's leave it. Jono knows what he's doing. Let's not spoil it. So we just let Jono look at it. And then Clive nudged me and he said, look at there. And the Australians were sitting on their backsides looking absolutely knackered. And Jono was saying, look at them. I do not remember Woody addressing the group. You know, for the head coach at that moment, the moment to trust the team yeah. is incredible. And I think that's just about what yeah. we built up between all of us, the coaches, the trust we have with each other, that actually now, what have we got? We've just got to score more points than them. Relax, you know, it, this is now all about calm heads and doing. The only person that wasn't in that group for the entire time was Wilco, who just went out and had three or four kicks, which worked quite well, if you think the way the game ended. So, yeah. They're in control. We don't need you two old buggers to come down and tell us anything. We've got it sorted. And they had. Johnny Wilkinson, he's got it! It's over! At last of the fourth attempt, Johnny Wilkinson is on target! England in the lead with only 20 seconds to go. It gave me a tremendous amount of satisfaction. Is that I'd known I'd made special relationships with a fabulous group of people. Yeah, that changes your life. I think all of us got a lot of respect, you know, from what we'd achieved. The most important thing is uh, go back to look in the mirror 
And I looked in the mirror and I was pleased with not what I've achieved, but how I'd achieved it. I was pleased with the way that I'd sort of blended into this new game and uh, helped to improve the players. And there's a statement the coach of Manchester City said, Pep, to be the best team in a competition or the best team in the world. You not only need the best players, but you need the best coaches as well. So if you haven't got the best coaches, you're not going to win it. And if you are the best coaches and you haven't got the best players, you're not going to win it. And that's true. We have both. I think the country's been waiting since 1966 for a team with as much bottle and as much courage and as much guts as these guys. It all came right at the end. And what a team to beat Australia in Australia. It's, uh, it couldn't be better, couldn't be better. And the champagne's nice too. I know now that when I, I go into the local pub and things like that, that I've got a lot of respect for not what I achieved, but what we achieved and I was a part of it because none of us look on it as what we had done as an individual because it was just a, a group thing. It was a team, a team of brothers, great coaching team, great group of players and a great guy in charge.